You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson. Well, he's Peter today. Well, Kyle, I look different today. You know, my voice, I got a little sick, but yes, I am indeed Cat. No. <laughs> Uh, Peter I'm a will Kyle fan, but not Kyle. <laughs> Kyle will be here soon. Uh, he's celebrating Christmas, which we all should. It's the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a Santa Claus sweatshirt on all day, so uh, I was celebrating the season as well, just a little bit differently. Uh, but Peter, a writer for California, uh, not just the state, but the school and the football team. So he's got some insights for us. Uh, I guess let's just get into California. We'll We'll talk about... Uh, the Golden Bears offseason a little bit, but I just want to get into their regular season today. How did they get to six and six and uh, eligible for the Independence Bowl? So we started the season really hopeful. We uh, faced off with uh, against North Texas at Denton, Texas. A lot of folks were putting us on, oh, watch out. This team, Cal might get upset by North Texas. They're going into Denton. It's hot. It's humid. And we blow him up by you know 50 points or so. We come in and we don't, we're, we're not used to scoring 50 points. Our previous offensive coordinator was Bill Musgrave, formerly of the Raiders and the Broncos. Uh, we call it the Toyota Terso offense. And if you ever driven a Toyota Terso, you're struggling to keep up on the highway, even in California, right? So when we drop 50 points on somebody, we're just like, oh, my God, dude, we, we might go undefeated. We, we're booking our tickets to the Natty. And then the reality came in. It turns out that North Texas has one of the worst defenses in the country. Uh, furthermore, we had two quarterbacks playing that game. Sam Jackson, the fifth, he was a transfer from TCU and Ben Finley from North, uh, NC State. They looked good. Again, bad teams. So early on, uh, we ended up on a pretty strong losing streak against some nationally ranked teams. UW was in the playoffs. We got blown out by Oregon. Uh, we had And we lost to Auburn because our kicker couldn't kick anything worth a dime. Uh, worth a dime. So Rolling in, we were three and six. We were breaking in our third string quarterback, who's a two star, Fernando Mendoza. And after losing to USC by one point at home, 50 to 49, and we lost on a two point conversion, which to the end of my days, I'll say USC was holding holding our guys in the end zone for the two point conversion. That should have been a retry, and we should have won. Anyhow, my grief aside, when Fernando Mendoza comes into the press conference, he's like, We're going to win out. Mind you, this guy's a two star. From Miami, his only other offer was Yale. And I'm just like, I appreciate the confidence, but buddy, we ain't doing it. Guess what? We we did it. We beat he came in, and the reason he was so much better than Sam Jackson the fifth and Ben Finley, even against a very solid schedule, was because he was able to execute the air raid offense correctly. Uh, ben Finley had its problems with turnovers, and Sam Jackson the fifth, bless his heart, he's five foot eight on a good day, and he could not see over the middle of the field. Yeah, He was still playing football like he was the most athletic kid on the field by dancing around behind the line of scrimmage, trying to find a guy. But suddenly, it's a 10-yard sack, and we're behind the sticks for the rest of the drive. And what happened in the three-game win streak was we beat a Washington Wazoo who was quite vulnerable. They were already on a losing streak. Their, the entire team was uh, – was it – 
was distracted by the fact that Wazoo has not found a Power 5 concert or Power 4 conference home. Yep. We then beat Stanford, who is rebuilding under Troy Taylor, a former Cal quarterback for us at Stanford. And then all of us were wondering, okay, we're going to lose to UCLA because their defense is world-shattering, and then suddenly we dropped 33 points on them, and mostly because our defense stepped up, our special teams stepped up. We're, we're one of the worst special teams in the country, and yet suddenly we we force a fumble on a kick return. We punt 73 yards down the field, and we're winning in the Rose Bowl. And now we're 6-6 six and six and facing Texas Tech and Shreveport, Louisiana. I did not know Shreveport was a city until last week. So you, know, you got to learn something every day. You're learning something every day. Are you coming down to Shreveport? No, I, I, I live in D.C., and it's quite a minute away. Ain't nobody... I know in chief sports, so. <laughs> um, I did notice just looking at the schedule, trying to f- figure out Cal, every loss was either, you know, non-conference SEC opponent or a ranked opponent in the ace in the mm-hmm. pack in the pack. So it's not like you had any bad losses, um, but I really wouldn't say you had any great wins either. Oh, what yeah. do you think the best win on the schedule was? Was it UCLA to end in the year? Yeah, it was UCLA by just advanced statistics, both Bill Conley's SB+, the Fermont Efficiency Index, even the Power Index by uh, ESPN. They all gave us about a 16% chance of winning that game, and we didn't just win the game. We absolutely dominated in all three phases of the game, and that was something that none of us expected. So the fact that we're in the bowl is worth rejoicing, and the practices before the bowl are essential since a lot of our players are quite young and once we do get into the roster structure, I can break down like where the youth is and where the development really will shine in the bowl game. And you might see some new faces that you not might not have seen it from your tape study here. Good segue. Let's get into it. Uh, Texas Tech, really good running back, Taj Brooks, but the Cal Bears have a pretty good running back as well. Um, he's not in the portal, is he? Oh, God. No? <laughs> Every morning. Every morning, I swear okay. to God, right. I go on Twitter, right. I go on Twitter, like, he's not in the portal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like a sign of cross. It's, he's, he's the heart of the offense. It's, without him, nothing happens because he forces the defenses to account for every single run play. Even if it's third and long or second and long, we will hand, him, hand the ball off to him, and he can make the first guy miss. That's an essential quality in a quarterback, especially in the system we have. Make the first guy miss. Because then it removes one guy from the defense. Now it's 11 on 10. And Fernando Mendoza is willing to be a fullback in a lot of run games. So Ock makes one guy miss, and it's a positive play. And as long as we can stack positive runs and force the defenses to go into the box, go cover one man or some form of that, we have an advantage with our move tight end, Jack Andrews, or on the outside with Jeremiah Hunter and Trond Grizel. But nothing, none of this happens without Jaden Ott's ability to threaten on any side of the field. If you look at the USC game, he in the first half, he, he uh, ran off two 60-yard touchdown runs. And it completely changed the way USC defended us. And that's why Jaden Ott was not able to produce later in the game is because USC's like, we can do whatever we want as long as we have we stop Jaden Ott. And as long as he's a California Golden Bear, we have an offense. He's not a Californian Gordon Bear. I have a lot of questions about the way we've recruited this team, the way we've built this roster. How does the offense change after Jake Spavital goes to Baylor uh, and you 
you elevate the offensive line coach, the the running game coordinator? Are you just going all in on the on the running game, or do you think there will still be some spread concepts? Maybe they won't change offense much for the bowl game, and there's more of a change next season. Uh, well, we won't go full triple option if that's what you're asking. Uh, but overall, uh, I have a feeling that we're going to be the, – the run concepts stay the same from the way the whole coaching staff discussed play calling on offense, the way the players were talking about play calling. That Mike, uh, the Coach Blesius run concepts remained as is. So if you watch our tape on offense, the run game, it's going to be the same. Now, as you mentioned, the mixture between pass-run ratio – that might change a little because O-line coaches got an O-line coach and they trust their hogs, they trust their uh, the guys up front. You might see more runs on passing downs. You might see a drive where it's Jaden Ott, Jaden Ott, Isaiah Fonse if he comes back. Jaden Ott, Jaden Ott, Jaden Ott. And then maybe a Fernando Mendoza throw if you feel spicy. But I don't think we're going to completely leave our spread identity away. For one, Mike Blesch is a UNT guy. Uh, their former his former head coach is now the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma, and I don't see that system really leaving him. Uh, so it's going to be power runs, power runs, and something off a of power run, an RPO off a of power run, uh, RPO off a of pulling uh, tackle. Especially, and then we add the fact that we hired a QB coach who is from a spread tree. So I, I expect us to stay spread, but maybe be 60-40 run pass especially if we can stop Tosh Brooks, who is a, a load to take down. If we can make you guys play our game, you guys going to be, as the Marshawn Lynch once said, run, run through a MFR's face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's how both offenses are going to operate, I, I hope. Uh, that's how my <laughs> always my hope for Texas Tech, but Zach Kidley kind of gets his uh, bug to be sometimes and, does what he wants, but uh, Taj Brooks certainly coming back next year and is going to be mm -hmm. in the bowl game. Uh, two great running backs, in my opinion, 1,200, 1,400 yards, yep. uh, 20, what is that, 2,600 yards between them. That's pretty good for a season. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the defense of the Cal Golden Bears. Uh, the leading tackler is in the portal. Yep. Um, and a couple of other linebackers and maybe a corner, were they starters or is the big loss the middle linebacker there? Yeah, the big loss is Caleb Elam's Orm, who's visiting Ohio State. And we're Cal. We have some yeah. Silicon Valley money, but we ain't got Ohio State cash for to play the burn for football. So if he's going for the cash and then the NFL, all, all blessings to him. But it's going to be precarious, especially if Taj Brooks gets – on his game because our other uh, inside linebacker is a true freshman, Kate Uluave, who's he, he's electric. He can make plays, especially if you look at UCLA's fourth and three conversion early on in the game. Uh, UCLA came out in a wing T formation with three running backs right, right behind a quarterback. And Kate slices through the A gap, a -gap and tackles a guy who is a load. Carson Steele is a beast of a human being. And he just gets toppled down behind the line of scrimmage, turning over and downs. And it's one of the plays that set the tone for the defense to make us believe that this – we might give up yards, but we ain't giving up points. And that's what we did. We gave up seven uh, points to – after a turnover, which was functionally a pick six. So, uh, so Kate, uh, Kate Uluave, how he plays, will dictate a lot of how Taji Brooks will play. Uh, so 
some other players that are in the portal aren't as big of a uh, factor. Uh, Jeremiah Irby was our uh, was a rotational outside corner, but he was not. After his freshman year, he was never able to really establish this position as his own because he was swapping in and out with Lumaja Ernst, who's a shorter corner, much more scrappy, and yet they were battling out throughout the entire season for that position while Irby had the physical edge. So it says something about maybe he has a sophomore slump or he just bought into his own night, but there is a, he's not as big of a loss as it seems on paper. Uh, the rest of the guys in the portal are more or less rotational guys or in the 3D. Nice to have, but we're not going to die on defense because of them. Uh, I know it's not going to affect the bowl game, but any any portal additions so far that uh, the Cal has gotten? Oh, yeah. We got, speaking of North Texas before, Chandler Rogers, who scored a lot of yards and points for them, has joined us in the portal. I'm fairly certain it's because of the Mike Blesch connection. Uh from the way our team operates, that we Wilcox is not somebody who who tries to sell something big, bigger than himself. He will tell guys, "You can compete, but we're not going to guarantee you anything." That's why we lost uh, Plummer from last year, who was, who had a great season at Louisville, but Plummer wanted to be guaranteed as a starter. But Wilcox is like, "No, no, we have a new staff, we have a new offense. You, I cannot guarantee you a starting position." Therefore, he left. We had this whole QB debacle. But with Jack Plum, we're probably seven and five, if not eight and four. But them's them's the dice. This is the type of man we chose to lead our team. So that it is. Uh, another addition is Teddy Buchanan, uh, the president, as I nicknamed him. He uh, comes from UC Davis. He's a four-star transfer, and I think he will make the loss of Caleb Williams or a little less painful, since KEO probably wants to go to the NFL next year. Anyhow, so we'd be losing the type of production and type of player at the same time. All right, we will uh, join with Kyle now, who's uh, back from his Christmas party. Kyle? Hey, so sorry I'm late uh, to both of you. I no got worries. home like an hour and a half later than I thought I would and shoveled a turkey sandwich down my throat, and now I'm here with you. So happy to be here. Uh, I was oh, I just about to you. get to the bowl game itself. Um Talk through the offense, the defense, the the season. Uh, Peter, how do you think this game will go? And maybe a score prediction since we are the, the gambling gauchos. Texas Tech favored by three and a half. So I'll, I'll get you on the line there. I think I'll take that. Uh, the one thing about our team is that our biggest weakness is special teams. Uh, we have had missed kicks from Michael Luckers, our big-legged kicker. That's what lost us the Auburn game. Well, Martin Bagani, who came into into relief and took over the starting job as field kicker, is in the portal. I think he will play because he was on the depth chart coming into the bowl game. The problem with him is that he his leg is about 40 yards, max out, maxes out about 45. And if you look at our fourth down conversion uh, rate by yardage, a lot of it is around the 30 yard. We're not comfortable enough to punt, nor are we comfortable enough to kick the ball. So if y'all can get us into those positions where it's third and long on Texas Tech 30, and then you force us to get five yards out of 15, and it's fourth and 10, there's a good chance Justin Wilcox will elect to go for it. And that's not a down for us to run with Jaden Ott. It is a down for us to throw with Fernando Mendoza. And if you guys have a, a plan for spe- that specific area of the field, that specific down, you can really put us in a precarious position because we can't get three points out of it. We'll have to go for it. 
Uh, I'll take the point. I'll take Texas Tech with that. Uh, personally, I an, a win would be nice, but it's not essential to the trajectory of the program. What's essential is the bowl practices we got already. So it's no one gets injured. We don't embarrass ourselves. That's a win in my book. I I hope I'm not asking the question that y'all already covered, but um, <clears throat> it looks like you know I was taking a look at Cal's season and. Uh, seems like maybe y'all made a quarterback change about halfway through the year to go yeah. to Mendoza. And uh, to my eye, just the short clips I've seen, seems like a guy who um, can make plays with his feet, isn't afraid to throw it down the field. He makes some mistakes sometimes, but, you know, that happens with young guys. Um, was the change made to go to Mendoza due to injury or poor performance? And, like, tell me kind of maybe the changes you've seen in the Cal offense since he took the reins. Yeah, so I, I talked to Rob before. Uh, our first two quarterbacks were Sam Jackson the fifth and Ben Finley, two very different quarterbacks who fit in this air raid system. Sam Jackson the fifth, electric, electric athlete. Like I genuinely believe he runs a four 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 five. But the problem is he's a little on the short side, which prevented him from seeing the middle of the field. And he would make uh, plays where he believed to be the most athletic person in the field, which was true in high school, but it, it's not true in FBS football. That was quite evident against Auburn. Uh, he was also a little injured. He was His throwing shoulder was uh, bothering him for the rest of the season. Ben Finley had the arm. The problem is he was always a tick late on a read. He was always a tick late on reacting to things, which caused a lot of turnovers. If you look at the UW game early on, he caused a pick six and a slew of interceptions. That's why I personally was not comfortable with either of them being a quarterback. Because neither of them really was better than the other in a in a matter enough to make a difference on the win loss, which this is all, football is about win losses, right? Sam Jackson might be more athletic, Ben Finley might be better in the pocket, but neither of them were diff- better enough in those positions to make a win loss difference. When we switched to Fernando Mendoza, I was confused, not confused, but like worried. He was a four two star recruit out of Miami. He had two offers, one from Liel, one from us, even though his dad played with Mario Cristobal at Miami. So his dad knew the guy who could recruit his kid to his hometown team, but he didn't. So Fernando comes in and he doesn't wow you with any physical attribute, but he has the mentality necessary to execute the offense. He runs the ball, as you said, and he's willing to be a fullback. There was a play against Wazoo or Stanford, where he hands it off to Ott. Ott takes it outside, and Fernando looks for a guy to block. He blocks a linebacker with his body. And he's like, buddy, you're a quarterback now. You can't be doing that. And yet, he kept doing it. He got injured, and that's when he stopped trying to do that. Because, like, okay, let's not endanger the probability of the win by being a hero. Because everybody on the team loves him. He's universally loved by his energy, his earnestness, and his willingness to just execute the offense. He hits the Y-crosser, he hits the mesh, he reads the triangle on each side of the field correctly, he hands the ball off when necessary. He doesn't wow you, but he doesn't disappoint you either, which is a great description of my Berkeley career as a student too. <laughs> I um, I remember back in 2015, there was this young man named Patrick Mahomes playing quarterback for Texas Tech. <laughs> And he did that. We were running like a speed option and he pitches it to the running back and tries to throw a block. And I think everybody watching was like, Patrick, we don't need you to throw a block on this yeah. play. Just 
pitch it and then make sure nobody touches you. So I think that's every fan's worst nightmare when the quarterback thinks he can throw a block downfield like that. As a Chiefs fan, thank you so much for Patrick Mahomes. You're welcome. Yeah, we love the he Chiefs is, too now. <laughs> he, he is such a guy. He, Oh, my God. Okay, we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes maybe in the future once you guys bring me back and we can have a two-hour Patrick Mahomes love fest for Yes, some reason, I would love that. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for Patrick. Uh, yeah, no, it's, I'm excited for this game. We haven't been in a bowl game since 2019 when we beat Illinois in the Red Box Bowl. It's been a tough couple of seasons for us as Cal fans, both because of Pac-12 being stacked and us trying to navigate the reality of NIL. Uh, Berkeley, rich Berkeley fans. We have a lot of rich Berkeley fans, but the thing is they're old blues, as we call them. They're very traditionalist when it comes to, oh, yes, a Cal football pl- player ought to be a student athlete. He should gain, you know, joy from just being a Berkeley student. I'm just like, I get you, but give a, give NIL. And only recently have we actually put our back into NIL. We raised a million and a half dollars last when we joined the ACC through Ron Rivera, who's the head coach of, of the Washington Commanders, a Cal um, with his support. Uh, just this week, we raised $10,000 because the ed- editor-in-chief of my blog said, I'm going to put in 10 grand of my uh, one grand of my own money who's matching me and a lot of people responded positively to that and I think that's the reality of college football and I I chipped in my share as little as it is as a public servant but you know it is what it is uh the red box bowl that that's been a couple couple of tough years for red box as well since <laughs> I don't think they yeah, have Yeah no we we're all going to explain to our kids like yeah. what is, that what is the red box red like box, yeah. <laughs> You ever heard of, uh, what was it, Blockbuster? Yeah. <laughs> different yeah, different yeah. age this year. Yeah. Uh, so you were talking about the joining the Pac-12. I did want to mention. You mean the ACC? Before. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Leaving the Pac-12. <laughs> I wish we were joining the Pac-12. Like, that's, yeah. It's, I, I'm never going to get used to that. Stanford, Cal, UCLA, and the Big Ten. It's going to take years before. And though it'll probably change before I get used to the current elevation of next yeah, year. Yeah. But. You're telling uh, me the Cal is not an ACC <laughs> legendary program? It it's in the name. We're on a coast. Calford, yeah. <laughs> uh, that that uh, Cal-Louisville game in December is really going to hit different. Oh, man. Oh. I'm going up. I live in D.C., so I'm going up to Pittsburgh to watch the historic rivalry of the blue and gold teams in Pittsburgh. And I'm going to make sure all my friends are like, yeah, we're getting Polish food, man. <laughs> That worked out for you. You're in the you're in ACC country, see. So oh yeah, no, through and through, man. Uh, what was your reaction though this summer as you kind of lose the 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 bulk of the Pac-12 and it, it feels like you're just stuck on an island, and then uh, the Big 12 poaches another four, and the Final Four, the Pac-4, are kind of just sitting there. Nobody wants you, and then all of a sudden it's the ACC, which you'd heard for what, two years by then that the ACC and the Pac-12 might merge in different iterations. Uh, what was your thought process when Cal finally joined the ACC? Incredible relief. Uh, incredible relief because we were already losing a lot of our historic rivalries. We played UW for 100 years. We played Oregon for about 80 years. Every single of these teams isn't just a history woven between each matchup. It's also friendships. Uh, it's relationships that we as a blog right for california has developed with all those fandoms uh 
Oregon, for example, Hifflade, who is a great football analyst. If you you guys ever face Oregon in a football game, watch Hifflade's breakdowns because he's he's a savant when it comes to he's the best the Pac-12 ever developed from a football breakdown perspective. Uh, banter, right? We had inside jokes upon inside jokes upon inside jokes. Uh, against Arizona, we had the desert voodoo and the Hail Mary. Against UCLA, the the number one public university in the world and the pretender. USC, you get the University of School of Children. Every single one of these was lost. But even in that loss, we're worried of falling to irrelevancy in Mountain West Conference. People make jokes about Cal not being a sports-focused uh, organization, but we spend $120 million a year in athletics. We produce the fifth most athletes for the United States in the Olympics. As a country itself, we would have more Olympic medals than, than of some, some countries. We, I think we'd be 20th if we were just a country by itself in the Olympic medal generation. So to fall into irrelevancy of Mountain West Conference media and conference money distribution would completely destroy what we made ourselves be a non-revenue athletics. Now, because it's football, because it's money, because it's TV, it was essential us to go somewhere where we could spend the next five years rebuilding our brand to be to get either money from the ACC in the New Deal or go to the Big Ten to rejoin our team. Or you know what? We go to a new system where Big Ten and SEC are in their own corner and we go back to the good old Pac-10 or Pac-8 or Pac-12. But the fact that we are in the ACC gives us a unique opportunity to say we are still relevant. We still can recruit. We can still get wins. And considering how much weaker the ACC is on a per-team basis versus the Pac-12, we could make some noise. I'm not saying we're going to win anything. I don't know. But we're not going to be facing five top 15 teams back to back to back to back and then wonder, are we good or are we just facing really good teams? Because we're facing Pitt, not Oregon anymore. I can't get off mute. You're off mute. You're off mute. I can hear you. You can hear me right now? Yeah. It's weird. The mute icon is still on. I'm like clicking it over and over. Yeah. What was on that sandwich, man? (laughs) Hey, I don't know, dude. You're the one on the West Coast. You tell me. No, I'm in D.C. (laughs) Yeah. I uh, During that conference realignment discussion, I had heard that Cal and Stanford might try to join the Big 12, but the presidents of the Big 12 said no because it was going to bring down the academic profile of the rest of the conference. And so yeah. Oklahoma State and West Virginia said, no, we can't add Cal and Stanford because you know, we've got a, we a reputation to uphold here. We can only to the agricultural programs of yeah. West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Like our bovine pro- – like we split off UC Davis because they were our farm. But, yeah, no, I, I don't recall having a good agricultural science <laughs> program. And it's, that's the failure of our administration to not address – the heartland concerns of the Big 12. And that's why we ended up in the ACC, where we have to just deal with the hoi polloi of Duke and UNC and Miami. Well, Miami's more. (laughs) More more our speed. Yeah. Remind me how that's going to work, because y'all are going to play a game in Dallas every year, right? Like, besides SMU, y'all are going to play, like, a neutral site, basically? Uh, No. So the neutral site Dallas thing is going to be for non-revenue sports. That's the idea. Okay. They're going to build 
or be at SMU to do gymnastics meets or swim meets and volleyball and all that jazz. Gotcha. For football, we're going to travel. So we have Pitt. We're going into Wake Forest this year, uh, next year, and some two other teams. We're bringing in Miami to Cal, which one of our friend, one of my friends is a former Miami Hurricane snapper and Cal fans, which I don't know where that came from, but I'm glad to have him around. Uh, it's going to be weird because Cal fans get hyped to play UCLA. We get hyped to play USC. You look at our footage from those games, it's always full. It's kind of really hard to find people to get excited. Like, ah, yes, we are facing the North North Carolina Wolfpack this week, NC State Wolfpack this weekend. I don't have any friends. I I know one person who went to NC State, and I went on a date with her once, and that's it. I know no other Wolfpack, and that's because I live in D.C., so. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be weird. Yeah. Um, did y'all talk about portal guys uh, that are going to be missing the bowl game? Yeah. And, yeah, we just talked how KEO is the main uh, loss, and that will affect how Taj Brooks will play because KEO was our tackling vacuum. If Taj Brooks can, uh, if Taj Brooks makes becomes becomes a threat in the run game against Cal's defense, we really don't have an answer because our second inside linebacker is a true freshman who has flashed, but he also has a lot of missed tackles. He's his missed tackle rate is about twenty percent, so he'll miss one out of five tackles he tries. Who uh, I did see that um, Jackson was in the portal, Sam Jackson. Yes, yes. He, so who, he what's, the quarterback, what's the quarterback situation if, if so, goes out? So earlier this week, uh, Wilcox was asked about guys in the portal or whether they play or not. And Ben Finley is also in the portal, but he's on the depth chart. And the way Wilcox said that, if you're in the depth chart, you will play. You will be traveling there. So Ben Finley is our backup. And then there is a guy I did not know existed until today, until the, the depth chart came out as our third string. So I hope you guys go gentle on our quarterbacks. Don't injure Nando. We love him. He's, yeah. he's a well, ray of sunshine. Yeah. We uh, don't worry. We can't get to the quarterback, so they're they're safe against us. Glorious. I think Glorious. our sack rate is like ninetieth, ninety something in the in the country. So uh, we might sack him once, but he's he's probably okay. I mean, we did not register a single conference sack until four games into the season. Until we played USC, we did not have a single sack on a quarterback. And then suddenly we blow it up against the reigning Heisman champion, which makes complete sense of the Pac-12. That's yeah. that's how the Pac-12 operates. I feel like talking through this, Cal and Texas Tech have a lot of similarities. So <laughs> yeah, it'll be a similar feed. I think I think it'll be a tight bowl game. I don't think anybody's going to blow anybody out. I think the three points is correct because we are traveling to y'all's area of the country. Texas Tech has it easier. We won't have a lot of fans because, well, for one, we don't travel to the South all that well because of its Christmas season as well. I, I personally would have gone to L.A. Bowl, but that's because my family's in L.A. Right? I'm not going to fly into Shreveport and answer irate phone calls from my family. like, why are you in Shreveport? Why aren't you not in L.A.? I said, I'm going to be in L.A. I didn't specify which L.A. <laughs> right? So, you know, it's really hard for us to justify that type of travel, especially for I mean, it's a six it's bowl between six and six teams. For us, it's about practices. A win would be nice, but it's not obligatory for us to be program defining to win. Yeah, Shreve, I'm not sure what our crowd is going to be like. So Shreveport is about two and a half, three hours from Dallas-Fort Worth, which is where our largest alumni base is. 
but we have a, a it's graduation ceremony for the winter semester. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are going to be in Lubbock for that. And we have a neutral site basketball game against Vanderbilt in Fort Worth. Yeah. So it's it, usually, I think the bowl game would get a big crowd, but it's, you know, the timing is so weird this year with it being so early. And then you've got two pretty major conflicts for people that are, you know, otherwise interested in the university um, and its athletics department. So I, I'm kind of worried we might not have that good of a showing or at least not as good as we would have if it were, you know, maybe a week later or something. Um, So yeah, it could be kind of a lightly attended game on both sides. And it's also really late in the day. It's eight o'clock local, 9 Mm -hmm. PM for for us on the East coast and then 7 PM for people on the West coast. So it might not even be very heavily watched. We're Cal is playing Ole Miss that game in men's basketball. And unlike last year, it's actually worth watching. So any of y'all sick enough to watch basketball that is not Texas Tech or, you know, yep. watch Jalen Tyson and Bartos Amac play. <laughs> Thank Jaylen you, by the way, for that. Chris Beard, yeah. Was that? Chris Beard and Jalen Tyson reuniting there yeah. in uh, that game. I, uh... Oh, God. Yeah, no, now that, not, not that you say it, yeah, that's that might be some extra fuel for Tyson to have uh, to face off Beard. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of conflicting events for both of our fan bases and I'm kind of worried about the bowl attendance but if a tree falls down in the in the forest and nobody hears it does it really fall yeah I think well, most for Texas... you guys will <laughs> because you're I... the gambling gouchers so <laughs> I think most Texas Tech fans saw enough of Fardaz Amac playing basketball last year that they'll probably pass up on that opportunity fair enough fair enough you guys think you have any last questions for? I know I took up way more time than I should, but you know I really enjoy talking Cal football, as you can see. No, you're here. good. You're good, man. Uh, any any final thoughts we didn't get to about Cal and and the, the future? I'd say not. I mean, we're both programs at the same you know stage of the world where we're not important enough to be poached by the SECs and the Big Tens, but not bad enough or insignificant enough to be falling into the Mountain West or the swaths of our regions, I think it's important for us to maintain tandem within our groups, both for Texas Tech and for Cal, to keep engagement, to push ourselves. Because I think both of our fan bases have a chip on our shoulders. I want to shove USC and UCLA into a locker even harder now than we had before. I'm sure y'all are looking at Texas and Oklahoma and hoping they go six and six, five and seven in the SEC. Uh, but for us, I think the next five years for Cal in the ACC, for y'all for in the Big 12, to really make an impact, both in the transfer portal, in recruiting, and in wins, to show the rest of the world that we're not the ones left over. We're the ones overlooked. And that's where I think where the, the communion between the two of our fan bases can be centered, and I think we should celebrate that in the bowl game coming up and in the future. And I really want to face y'all in the college football playoffs as the number one ranked Cal against number two ranked Texas Tech in the Rose Bowl, because then I get to watch Rose Bowl for the first uh, first first time in my life, and for the first time in the lives of nearly damn near every Cal fan, because we haven't been since 1956. Well, we'll see you there. That sounds good to me. Uh, right where on. can people find you uh, in your work there, Peter? Yeah, uh, y'all can find me at writeforcalifornia.com. That's where all my, mine and our fellow writers 
writing is. I do the stats breakdown. I do some of the news because I live in the East Coast, so the time benefit is right there. Uh, you can find me at P-I-O-T-R-L-E on Twitter, X, or whatever new name they're going to come up with there. Uh, I post about sports. That's it. My account's just live during football season, and it goes dormant, and it comes back in. So, you know, if you guys want pure cow football news, that's me. All right. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you. That was uh, Peter for Right for California. That's uh, good stuff, man. He was he was a hoot. Uh, big fan of Peter, and and thanks for for joining us. Um, hey, if you want to join us at Cardinals, you can. I forgot to give the Cardinals read at the top of the episode. Uh, you can gear up for the bowl game there at Cardinals Sports Center, mycardinalsports.com, or live and in person right outside the loop on Slide Road. Get you some gambling gauchos gear. Get you some Lubbock Matadors gear uh, there at Cardinals. Uh, you can do that, again, online, mycardinalsports.com, or live and in person uh, on your way to Shreveport. Uh, Kyle, how you doing? Didn't really get to bring you in like I usually do uh, there with Peter. Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to hearing the first half of that interview. And, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, glad we found him and, and their website and podcast and everything. And, uh, looking forward to the game. I think probably most tech fans, this is not a shot at Cal. They probably don't follow Cal that closely. You know, there's some bowl opponents we've had in the past where like, they know a little something about Ole Miss because Lane Kiffin is there and things like that. Mississippi state, of course, had Mike Leach a couple years ago. And so, uh, but I think Cal is a pretty new opponent for probably most of our listeners. And uh, did y'all talk 20, uh, 2004 holiday bowl at all? You know what? We didn't. Okay. I did not get it. That's something I uh, overlooked there. I, I didn't want to keep asking, like, hey, did y'all already talk about this? So, because, yeah. you know, that's not good radio. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I wonder how long he's been a Cal fan and if he has any recollection of that. Um, that's that's kind of like the only angle I can think of that might be familiar to other Tech fans. The, uh, the Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Sonny Cumbie Bowl. I was thinking about that game actually the other day. Um, Jay Leeson, a local Lubbock legend, gone too soon. Uh, I remember him tweeting several times about how hard it was for him to get his boys to want to go to the Jones with him on a Saturday because for their whole lives, Tech has stunk. Yeah. And he's like, no, like, you know, we used to beat Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch. You know, they were number five in the country and his boys like didn't believe him. And so, you know, that bowl game now is so long ago, it, 19 years ago. So the Tech students were in diapers when that game happened. They have no memory of it. And yeah, that, that kind of makes me feel old because I remember watching that game as a kid and, like, the BCS controversy of Cal was the last team left out of the BCS that year. And I remember thinking going in, I was like, you know, Tech isn't even ranked. You know, these guys are going to smoke us. And then just watching Falani and Cumby just kill them. Um, but there are so many younger tech fans that have no memory of that. And that's kind of sad to me. Cause that's like a, that was a marquee game in the leech era and everything in, in my opinion. Yeah, that was a good one. I wonder if that's uh do we do that a summer rewatch? I don't think we did. Uh, that would have been a good one to do. I don't think we've yeah. heard it on uh, the YouTubes. 
I think that's right. Yeah, I think we couldn't find it, but now with the new Texas Tech TV app, I wonder if. Well, I don't know if they would like us streaming that, but because we always found those like one hour edited versions on YouTube. At least go back and watch it. Yeah, uh, I watched a lot of. You mentioned not watching Cal football. I watched a lot of Pac-12 football this this year, but I don't think I watched a single Cal game. Just I was watching, you know, Oregon, Washington. Colorado, USC, Oregon State, but Cal never really Cal Arizona never really came into the picture for me. Yeah, I watched a little bit of Arizona Arizona State for the the future, but I watched them when they were playing USC and some other big name schools. Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, saw Dion Mania early in the year. Started paying attention to Arizona. They nobody's been better the last four or five weeks of the season than Arizona. And then, yeah, you had all those teams in the top 25 all year with Oregon, Oregon State, Washington. So, anyway, I, you know, I kind of, I watched some highlights, looked up some stats, but really don't know enough from, don't know enough about Cal to, you know, make any kind of great prediction that I feel good about. And I know we've got Jalen Hutchings missing, Miles Cole missing. That's going to, both of those are going to sting when trying to stop the run. We've got uh, Monroe Mills in the portal. Jerome Bradley, Miles Price in the portal. So I'm really not sure what will look like. I, mean, I know who those guys' backups are, but like, what does that look like when they play for an entire game? So I'm I'm curious. I mean, it's to me, it's an intriguing matchup. Like a three point spread and two seemingly evenly matched teams makes for a good bowl game and good bowl opponents. Um, you know, there are other matchups out there that I just don't feel like are that compelling. And I, and I know nationally, this isn't going to be like a game everybody's watching, but Hopefully for Tech fans, it's competitive and entertaining and all that. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. I, I had so I had a segue for you, but I couldn't uh, I couldn't pull it together. I totally lost track of thought. That's okay. Uh, anyways, we'll we'll try again later on that one. Um, Tech basketball winning last night. Texas Tech Lady Raiders winning today. They're still undefeated. They beat uh, whoever it was by 40 in the education game. Uh, my dad is an educator. Uh, as a fifth grade teacher at an elementary school here in Lubbock. They were the first school there at 9 a.m. And he did not leave the USA until uh, after 2.30 because he was the first school there, so first school there, last school leaving uh, because of how the buses pile in. So uh, my dad was in the, the education game for a whole eight hours today. Uh, I'm sure he enjoyed that one. I, I would assume he has a, a migraine uh, after 15,000 screaming kids for six hours. That's That's got to put you in. Hopefully he left a lot smarter if it was the education game. Yeah. And he was there that long. Uh, if you watch those games, they, they happen across the country. They are shrill uh, <laughs> on TV. So I can only imagine what they're like in person. It's just like a constant. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they have no idea what's going on. None of it matters with what's going on, on the floor. Just, Put them on the Jumbotron. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but Texas Tech basketball last night, uh, winning but ugly down the stretch. Uh, in fact, I thought it was a pretty poor finish. 
you win by six, but you really should have covered. Um, could have win by eight, but they had a, a sneaky basket there at the end. It didn't matter for uh, any totals, I don't think, but uh, kind of a cheap basket there at the end to make it six. What was the spread? 13. Okay, that's what I thought. And, yeah, I remember checking in. I didn't get to watch most of the game. But about halfway through the second half, and we were up 12, and I remember thinking, like, okay, this probably wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but if we cover, it's hard to hard to feel too bad about it. But I guess ultimately you wound up not covering. I, I was mostly kind of just watching, and we talked through a lot of this with Mainville, the different lineups that they tried. Kerwin Walton getting the start and shot really well. He shot well all season for the most part uh, that I can remember. 60% from three. Yeah, um, that'll do. So, uh, I mean, like I know that without Cambridge, probably very few lineups are going to feel ideal. But if and, and Warren Washington had a good game too, and that's where maybe you don't have the luxury of playing small ball, but if you go like four out with Warren Washington and he can play 32 minutes, you know, that gives you a very small window that you've got to cover for him. Uh, seemed like Bob Jennings was getting some good minutes in spots. Uh, so I think they're trying to feel out like who can be another low post guy, um, either to put next to Washington or in place of him when he needs a breather. And they're just going to have to feel that out over the next handful of games before we get to Big 12 play. Yeah, no Kyron Lindsay minutes after burning his red shirt in the wake of Cambridge getting hurt and no YH minutes, which I know that uh, Mainville's been begging for those. You had 30 from Washington and 10 from Robert Jennings. So one of those two was on the floor the entire game. And maybe that's what we see is they try to get Washington to max out, whether that's 28 to 34, kind of depending on his foul situation or something. And then Bob Jennings fills in the rest. I I don't know. But I do think with, you know, I kind of thought it would be Chance McMillan as the – fourth guard same and but i mean i think either one him or walton are both very so like if you give them both 20 minutes a piece or i guess they could both play more than that if one of the other three guards um you know pop darion williams or um toussaint subs out and you've got lamar washington as well but yeah to your point only eight guys played last night which that part was a surprise like the specific lineups that got the majority of the minutes weren't a surprise but I thought they were going to try out some different things and like play Lindsay, play EY, and you know see what was there. But only eight guys got minutes, and maybe I don't know. I guess I don't know um, if we should expect that going forward. If they've just shortened up the rotation and it's going to be those eight guys going forward, or if who knows? Maybe they were just experimenting with stuff there. I don't, I don't know. But it'll be something to monitor for sure before Big Twelve play gets here. It just seems like if you're going to burn a red shirt, you're going to play him. Yeah. One year, I think it was at Kavon Moore came in for two minutes and then didn't play again all season. And everyone was like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. You can't have issues like that. If you're going to play a guy, play a guy. Agreed. Even if it's two or three minutes a game, uh, it just doesn't make any sense to have a guy come in for two minutes and then not come in again. It's one game. uh, And maybe you're, you're, playing your A lineup because that's Oral Roberts and they were hot. They were shooting really, really well in your face. Um, And Vanderbilt, I don't believe will. Vanderbilt stinks. Vanderbilt lost to Presbyterian. 
do you know the Presbyterian mascot? The priests. The blue hose. The what? <laughs> the blue hose. Spell that for me. H o e s h o s e. I don't know. I think it's a bird. Uh, Presbyterian sixty two sixty eight. They lost that one. Presbyterian wins. Uh, they beat USC Upstate, which I guess is maybe a South Carolina Upstate. Uh, 74-67. They beat UNC Greensboro by four. They beat Central Arkansas by four. They lose to NC State. They lose to Arizona State. They lose to Boston College. They beat Alabama A&M, their biggest win of the year. Lose to San Francisco by 13. And then they join up with Texas Tech for the USLBM Coast to Coast Challenge at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas. 6.30 p.m. tip-off. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. That's uh, that's an option, certainly. Yeah, I mean, I was excited when they were on the schedule just because it was a Power 6 opponent. And I still think once they get to SEC play, their strength of schedule will be such that they'll have a relatively high floor in terms of how far they fall in net and all that. But yeah, like I was looking at BPI and I think you have about an 80 or 85% shot to win this one. And even like your North Alabama game in Lubbock and all that is 88%. So they're like maybe a hair better than these low major teams that you're going to finish out the non-con with, which is kind of disappointing because I thought they would give you a better look than that when the, when the schedule came out just by way of being a, high major team yeah. but it sounds like they'd be middle of the pack in a low major conference they're worse than uh, georgetown i know Jeez. you loved that georgetown uh game last year i like the idea of it but man they stunk under ewing uh all right any other basketball football things you want to call oh, the transfer portal uh so since we last talked on the gauchos I believe uh, Gooch has joined. Gooch, uh, yesterday, a, a junior college offensive lineman, 6'8", 305, I think was his uh, measurables, was committed to Auburn, decommitted from Auburn, went to Missouri, failed a physical, and then ended up at uh, Garden City, I believe, with lines. They both commit. Uh, to Texas Tech. You've also added wide receiver from Florida who had 20 catches in two years, played as a true freshman, had 17 yards of catches, a true freshman, but only 10 catches, 11 catches, two touchdowns, and then uh, played in five games this year with 10 catches uh, before getting injured early in the season. So those two in at Texas Tech, uh, Thoughts on uh, those two additions? I'm really curious about the receiver, Caleb Douglas, uh, just for several reasons. One, um, for a while there you were after – and part of that is because the portal for FBS opened later than portal for like D2 and FCS. But for a while there you were trying to kind of comb through some diamond-in-the-rough type prospects and – I don't want to say like shying away from competing with other power five schools 
because some of those guys had power five offers, but it seemed like you were targeting that kind of guy, like an undervalued guy who had proven himself at a lower level that you were ready to call up to the big leagues. And this Florida guy is kind of the opposite. Like you're probably not going to get an uber successful guy that was all ACC and now he's in the portal. And it's like, oh, yeah, let's go get a receiver who had 85 catches for 1,000 yards last year. Like that guy's just not in the portal. And so Caleb Douglas coming from a place like Florida, um, I don't know what other offers he had out of high school, but clearly a well-thought-of prospect if he winds up at a place like that. Blanchard's not going to offer him unless he has certain measurables. And so, like, that's why I'm curious about him is obviously the production isn't there because the snaps and the volume isn't there yet. But it makes me wonder if he's, like, a really high-ceiling kind of player, and I just don't know much about him yet. I'm excited to learn more. The addition that I like most that we've made so far is the offensive lineman from Toledo, Vinny Skiuri. Skiuri, yeah. Skiuri. I don't know how we're pronouncing that, but Vinny. We'll call him Vinny. I think it's Scurry. Scurry. A Vinny Scurry. So he was first team All-Mac on an 11-win Toledo squad. According to According to Pro Football Focus, which grain of salt, some people like that, some people hate it, but it's a starting point. According to PFF, elite pass protector, pretty solid run blocker. There's a, a thread of him going around on Twitter. Um, I think Justin Apodaca with Red Raider Sports and some other guys retweeted that. But I think he's a legit piece. Like, um, And I, I use the same logic with Cole Spencer and Rusty Stats, who I think were all Conference USA type guys. I don't know if they were first team or not. But, like, working backwards to 2021 or 2022, I guess, like, how many guys did you have that, if you put them in Conference USA, would have been first-team all-Conference USA? I don't know the answer to that. And so I'll take a first-team all-MAC guy that was that graded out that well in PFF that I think even was getting a little bit of buzz for the NFL draft. And that's why he's looking to make the move to a Big 12 school. He thinks he can get a better platform and – prove it against a different level of competition, but you needed offensive lineman. Like stats is a six year guy. Cole Spencer, I think a six year guy. They're both gone out of eligibility. Monroe Mills, multi-year starter for you. He's gone. So you needed talent and you needed experience through the door at offensive line. And I think this guy checks both boxes and I'm really excited about that addition. Oh, uh, you mentioned the offers for Douglas, the Florida wide receiver out of high school. I did look this up earlier. Uh, offered by both Texas Tech and Baylor out of high school. Do you want to venture a guess on who the lead recruiter was listed on 24-7 for Baylor? I am guessing that would be one James Blanchard. Juice Johnson. Oh, okay. I believe uh, I believe Blanchard is already at Texas Tech, uh, or at least in the process. Or, or uh, with the Panthers, or like with in the between. Panthers. Yeah. yeah. Panthers. Okay. So, yeah, that's – and they look Baylor hit on so many guys during that stretch. I mean, um, Jalen Petrie, um, who's the Bills linebacker? I'm blanking on his name. Terrell uh, Bernard. Bernard. They had uh, Abram Smith. Not, I don't think he went to the league, but incredibly productive college guy. Yeah. Um, several offensive linemen. So if the Baylor scouting team, which you have most of those guys now in Lubbock, liked him out of high school and they still like him now, I, I'm excited about the potential upside there. Um, 
Yeah, and Scurry, when I first saw him, I was like, oh, who is this? Toledo, is Toledo even good? And then, yeah, Toledo was good. Toledo uh, played in the, the what are they, the MAC, the MAC championship game, got beat by Miami of Ohio, uh, or else they would have won the, the MAC. So uh, Toledo, the Rockets, I believe. I called them the Mud Hens earlier. Uh, the Rockets, uh, pretty good there. And then Devin Cromwell, we didn't mention. Uh, All-Canadian football player from Canada. Not Canadian, Texas. And uh, he he has a 41-inch vertical and runs a 4-3-3 according to his Twitter profile. So that'll play. Yes, let me pull up this tidbit. Somebody posted about this on Red Raider Sports. This is one of those... I think it was Mike Dingle, but it might have been Justin Horn that like nobody at linebacker at that height and weight had the same hurdles time as one or maybe both of those guys, except like 12 high school football prospects ever. And 11 of them were in the NFL, something like that. And right. That's why I'm so fascinated by the way Blanchard cuts this up. because He goes, nobody who's six, two at this vertical, whatever has ever not made the NFL. Um, let me try to find this real quick. So he those that vertical in that 40 time you mentioned um in the last 5 NFL combines and shout out to New York Raider for posting this in the last 5 NFL combines there have only been 8 defensive backs that ran a sub 4440 and had a 40 inch vertical jump or better those were Legarius Sneed in 2022, Pretty who made good. NFL All-Rookie Team. Brandon Eccles, 2021, was a sixth-rounder. Greg Newsom, 2021, was a first-rounder, All-Rookie Team. J.C. Horn, 2021, first-rounder. Rick Woolen, 2022, Pro Bowler, All-Rookie Team. Ja'Korian Bennett, 2023, fourth-rounder. Deontay Banks, 2023, first-rounder. Christian Gonzalez, 2023 first rounder. Wow. So like either this guy is, if he's just terrible in coverage and terrible at tackling, he'll be one of nine guys with these measurables to not be like bare minimum a fourth round pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. Or if he can play a little football, um, he's got NFL, like legit NFL measurables. Not, oh, yeah, it's good enough to be drafted. No, it's good enough to be drafted high and to be an all rookie Pro Bowl type guy. And so I think James Blanchard is amazing at finding guys like that. I don't know if he'll be that immediately. He probably has like two years of eligibility to to get there. But you, you see facts and figures like that, and it makes you just, I think, excited about the overall athleticism that they're building up and down this roster. And you're at least really curious about what the guy can do on the football field. Like, okay, we've got some insane measurables out here. Like, let's see how it actually translates. And it's one thing to find them at the FCS level or in the JUCO levels, but to go to freaking Canada and find this kid uh, is just insane. It's just insane. Um, now, a lot of these guys are PWOs. I, I don't, I don't know how many are or are not um, specifically off the top of my head here, but you're also looking at uh, Josh Kelly from Washington state who had 50 catches for 800-something yards and nine touchdowns this year with Washington State. Uh, Wilt Frong 
from 24-7, put in his crystal ball or whatever they call it at 24-7 for him to come to Texas Tech. Uh, they're fairly certain amongst Notre Dame fan circles that he will be a Notre Dame Golden Domer. So we'll see what happens this week with Kelly, but there's a power five transfer uh, that a lot of people are begging for with production uh, that would come in and immediately compete for Texas Tech. If you get Kelly, which is an if as of the time we're recording this. Sure. Like, let's assume this Caleb Douglas guy from Florida who has minimal production because he hasn't played a ton. Let's, Let's just say for now he doesn't factor in next year. But you have Kelly, Micah Hudson, and Jalen Conyers. Did you have three guys on your roster that were that uh, – what's the word? That much of a potential mismatch? Uh, did you have anyone this past year that would have been in that top three? Uh, not in the same way, no. I mean, Duran Bradley, theoretically, but we never saw it except for against Oklahoma in one game uh, consistently. Um, yeah. I mean, Tharp is 6'9", so it's a different kind of mismatch. And we always want to go back to him, but it, it just certainly doesn't happen consistently with them either. So, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that anyone was in uh, a better position to be more potential than the, those three. And we're we're still a ways off from this roster being finalized because we've got this portal cycle, and then after spring ball, this will happen again, probably on a smaller scale. Like, let's assume they hit on two more offensive linemen, roughly comparable to this Vinny guy from Toledo. Uh, which offensive position group is not like markedly better than it was this year, going into twenty twenty four? Um, defensive line, interior defensive line. I said offensive position group. Oh, um, that's not offensive. Like you, you got the same quarterback, but quarterback's the same. But with a healthy shoulder. Running back, well, shucks, shucks, not in there. So I think you have to say a little bit about that. Of course, Con- Conyers uh, committing to be the gadget quarterback. Uh, offensive line, I think certainly is a wash so far, even if you don't add a bunch of talent, because I think, uh, it is what it is there. I think maybe offensive tackle is an issue so far. Caleb Rogers is going to move inside next year, according to Don Williams today, uh, according to Joey, but Don Williams reporting it, uh, wide receiver certainly seems like it'll be better, especially with Kelly in the mix. At least the same. I mean, nothing got worse so far. And I think you have the potential to be better at, at all spaces. I think as weird as this is to say, the position where you upgrade the least is running back because it's the same guy. Right. But he, you're already elite there. So, like, you're not going to – like, oh, well, we had Taj run for 1,500 yards last year, and now we're way better. Like, that's never going to happen. But if you bring Taj back and he runs for 1,200 again next year, like, it's hard for me to see a, a glaring weak spot if you can get two or three more portal guys on the offensive line and maybe one more kind of elite receiver that you didn't have last year. But I'm I'm pretty optimistic about where things stand on, on that side of the ball and then 
seems like there's just been less movement on the defensive side. Uh, I think you're right. The the gaping hole is Bradford and Hutchings leaving it there combined. I think by the time they were done, shoot, they probably almost started 100 games combined. Hutchings um, had 57 in a row. Yeah, and Bradford, I don't know if he was a full-on four-year starter, but played four years and yeah. started probably the last three of those. So, you know, and like I, I feel good about Duda Banks. You know, I don't know if that's a position you, you add at or not. Um, you were so bad at rushing the passer this year, it's hard for me to imagine the pass rush won't at least be the same. Hopefully it's better. You're bringing back both your inside linebackers another year older and more experienced. DB, I think, is a fair question mark. Like you're losing two good and old experienced corners and Rashad Williams and Malik Dunlap, you're losing Rabbit. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But anyway, I'm it's mid-December and I'm already drinking the Kool-Aid for next September. I knew that would happen, but I, I just can't help it. You're sick, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. You know what else is sick? Me thinking I can get uh, Rojino barbecue every day when it's just a step and a jump away. I could do it. I could. Uh, I could go to Olden, Texas every morning and get my fill of Rojino barbecue. Uh, what would you do if you could go every day, Kyle? Shoot. Um, I would probably finally get to try the entire menu. That's like always the dilemma when you go, you know, when I make it out there once a month or something. It's like I can't order six different things here. Or I, mean, I guess you could. Um, so that's what I would do because that's always the dilemma. It's like, do I get the brisket burger? Do I get the sausage? Do I get the turkey? I think this time of year they have chili sometimes. They've got a, a holiday ham for you. It's just the selection is incredible. And everything I've ever tried there is really good. You can uh, follow along Rojino BBQ. On Instagram, RojinoBBQ.com to make your order before you go. So you can pick it up right when you get there. Skip the line. Uh, or at least the wait. Skip the wait. I'll have it ready for you when you get there. At least guaranteed to be there when you get there. They won't run out on you. Open five days a week at the restaurant. Seven days a week at the market. You can stop by and get some cold barbecue for you to reheat on your own. Uh, all right. You ready for uh, some other things? What about a mailbag? We got uh, any other tidbits you want to go through? You want to talk Vegas? Yeah, the media upset that they're going to have to go to Vegas next year. Uh, too bad for you. We're going yeah, to you know. lose the, the Manifest Destiny battle of conferences by letting SMU sneak in there and own Texas for the ACC. Yeah, you know, I've always said Vegas is a tough town to have a good time in. So those poor media folks having to go there for two days. I I kind of get it. Like you're a you're a Texas centric conference, even with the expanded footprint. I think the league offices are in Irving. You've played your championship game in Arlington. But you've also locked in long-term to play the championship game in Jerry World. You're locked in long-term to play the basketball in Kansas City. I think it's fine to sprinkle some love to a new 
not only a new city, like a new footprint, um, but Las Vegas, like one of the entertainment hubs globally and certainly in the United States, that's also now in a, it's kind of no man's land. Like the West Coast, does that belong to the Big Ten? I don't know, four out of 18 teams there. Does it belong to the Big 12? You've got, let's see, five in the mountain. More than that, hang on, Utah, BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado. Yeah, five that are kind of west of the central time zone. So I'm fine with kind of planting your flag there a little bit and saying, hey, Las Vegas is no longer strictly Pac-12 country. And to me, those are three events, your football championship game, your basketball tournament, and media days, putting you in three different markets and three different regions of the country. I'm fine with that, and I think Vegas has all the potential in the world if one day you wanted to do neutral site games there, tournament games there, conference championship. And your mark knows all that. Like, your mark has been – we need an update on this, by the way, but your mark was talking about, like, selling the league's data to sports books and odds makers. So he gets the the appeal and how lucrative it could be to have some sort of tie into Las Vegas. So – like, I don't know, I saw some takes like, well, the SEC now has two Texas schools and they've got the Red River shootout. Well, yeah, but like, what on earth are we going to do to catch the SEC in football at this point? I'm not saying like just concede it and give up on Texas, but you're still playing your championship game there. You've got four schools in the state of Texas. Um, like there will be Big 12 football being played probably in two different Texas cities on every single college football Saturday. I'm not concerned that like, you're losing some land battle by moving media days from Arlington to Las Vegas. Do you know how you control the land battle in college football? You play games and you have the opportunity to play more games in Texas than any other conference. Uh, Media days. You don't actually plant a flag. I mean, it's not a physical flag. It's all aggregated online anyways. There's just because there's a Dallas Cowboy star behind a couple of media members when you're taking a selfie doesn't mean that the the conference is getting stronger in Texas because of a media days. I mean, we were able to go last year. It was awesome. It would be just as easy to go. Maybe not for you because you don't live in uh, Las Vegas, but technically it would be just as easy for most media members to go to to Vegas as it was to get to to Dallas. So I don't know. It just it it doesn't seem like a big deal to me, but media days never seemed like a big deal to me uh anyways. It's just a fun thing that media members do in the off season to talk about the programs. Yeah, I, I really don't think it's worth like a whole bunch of hand wringing one way or the other. I just kind of laid out my opinion on it, but I don't think it's like a huge deal. I mean, I will say when it was located in Arlington, um, there's definitely more of a Texas media presence. And it's hard to say, like, is that because of the location or because of the schools that are in the Big 12? Because at the during last year's Big 12 media days, you had the four schools that are in Texas that are in the remaining Big 12, plus Texas and OU and Oklahoma State. So, there's a ton of writers from DFW, from Oklahoma City, from Houston. Sure. And some, but fewer from Florida, from Ohio. 
And so I do think it's important with four brand new schools coming in, like, do you want to make the Denver markets, the Phoenix markets, the Las Vegas markets care about what's going on in the Big 12? If so, make it easier for those media members. Like, if we moved it to Orlando, probably not a lot of Salt Lake City newspaper guys flying from there to Orlando to cover. But you put it in their backyard in a very entertaining city that people want to go to. Yeah. Um. I think that helps you kind of get some exposure for Kansas state for West Virginia, for Baylor in Las Vegas, Salt Lake city, Denver, Phoenix. So I, I, again, I get what people are saying about moving it away from Jerry world. I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I kind of actually like the creativity and getting some kind of foot in the door in Las Vegas. Me too. And I I didn't go to the mixer post day one last year because it was just in the end zone of Jerry World. I would probably go to a mixer in Vegas because it's it's probably at a a nice uh, establishment. It's Vegas, baby. It's Vegas, baby. What stays in Vegas? Uh, welcome to Tyler Branham, by the way. You're a handsome gentleman as well. StreamYard is glitching so hard for me. Is I it? Can, I can still see Peter on the screen. And I don't have any comments since Roy at 904. I'm crystal clear over here. Do you want to get out and get back in, see if it fixes it? It's fine. I was just like thinking to myself this whole time. I was like, man, nobody's commenting. Like, I we guess it's a comments. slow night. But I, yeah, they, I guess they've been pouring in this whole time. Uh, Rob, we need a cowboy hat. Uh, who are the new two? What a, what a day, boys. We're so winning 10 games next year. Yeah, we got some comments over here. Uh. Ten games. What do you think? Uh, nine and a half. You going over under? You're you were pretty hot earlier. Man, if I say over in December, by the time July gets here, I'm just like, give me a thirteen and a half over under, like conference championship game playoff. Yeah. And I, it's gonna happen because I'm gonna like look at the schedule and be like, yeah, nobody on here is way more talented than you. You get these ones at home, and it's gonna happen, no doubt. Let's uh, let's pump the brakes a little bit there. If we get if we get two more linemen, one defensive tackle and one receiver in the portal, I'm all in. Like I'm back in on Kitley. It's like that Western Kentucky offense that was seventh in the nation in yards per play. That's coming back next year. It's coming. I think it's more likely Ellis Davis starts at right tackle than you go get a premier left tackle out of the portal. I do wonder how many guys that are freshmen or redshirt freshmen will start on the offensive line. I know it's rare, and I know I know you don't want to do that. I think LaRaven Clark whipped some serious ass as a redshirt freshman on the offensive line. And Jack Anderson was all Big 12 as a true freshman. Jack Anderson, true freshman, freshman All-American. And you go, oh, well, those guys were studs. Kind of. Like Jack Anderson, yes, all-world, Under Armour All-American, all that stuff. Raven Clark was like a low-end three-star. And so as many four-stars and high-end three-stars as you've been hitting at offensive line, I wonder if one of them shows up for spring ball and they're like, hey, this kid's young, but he's ready. And I wonder if they – now, if we had like three freshmen on the offensive line, I'd be like, okay, that's just because we're not old enough there. But if one or two happen to win a job, especially against experienced portal guys, if, if you get a guy from Memphis, Georgia State, Toledo, schools like that, I go, maybe this guy's just really good really early in his career. Has Mac Pounders committed anywhere? That's who I want. All name team. Oh, big Mac Pounders. 
Let's see. McKaylin Pounders uh, does not look like he's committed anywhere. He visited Starkville this weekend. That is the Memphis starting left tackle. Offered by Oklahoma State. Offered by Auburn. Texas Tech was early. South Carolina. He's got a lot of offers, man. I forgot to mention this because I got sidetracked talking about other portal guys. But the offensive lineman, Gooch, the uh, 6'9 guy, you said he was – I think Mizzou didn't clear him medically to play. So he goes back down to the Juco ranks and now coming back up. Reminded me a little bit of Reggie Pearson. That's how you first got him from Wisconsin. They said their training staff would not clear him to play. I guess an unaffiliated doctor then did clear him. And so then Texas Tech was like, yeah, we'll, we'll take you. But he was like a Detroit native, wasn't looking to leave Wisconsin, like didn't get cut. He played there, started there. And so obviously health comes first and, you know, surely he wouldn't be playing if him and his doctors, you know, felt like it was unsafe. Right. But I, I, it reminded me of that situation and hopefully, you know, whatever that medical condition was has been sorted out or, or treated and you have a SEC caliber talent um, coming through the door here that is now ready to go. Amen. Ready for a mailbag? Yeah, let's do it. The Matador Transit mailbag. <clears throat> You've got mail. Mail time. I found these in my mailbag. Well, it's time to reach into the old mailbag here. Enjoy reading the fan mail. Don't read it all at once. Any mail for me? You don't have a tic tac, do you? Did I get any mail? No. Why not, honey? If you lost a hand, what kind of prosthesis would you want to replace it? He gives some examples. Hook, spatula, quisk, claw, etc. I think probably a hook or a claw. Not like a fancy robot hand? You could pick anything? Is that not the spirit of the question? Yeah, if I could pick anything, it would just be a, a hand. But I assume since he was listing off anything but a hand, I was going to have to choose one of those. I think one of those uh, hook-claw hybrids with the two... The two that you can kind of squeeze together, give you a little range of motion. Um, I was watching Family Feud the other day, and a fast money question was, if you were a handyman and you could place a tool on your hand, what would it be? Number one answer. Screwdriver? Hammer. Okay. Hammer. Uh, D. Wayne checking in. Hello, D. Wayne. It's not like a Hallmark movie. Uh, is getting fooled by fake John Rothstein accounts on Twitter, Smart Football Super Bowl. I'll tell you this. John Rothstein, I thought he had unblocked me the other day because I was I saw a tweet from John Rothstein and was looking down his feed, but it was just uh, John, J-O-M, not John. So he got me, but I didn't retweet it because I checked it first. 
I think the fake Twitter account thing was like really funny. I don't know, three summers ago when the first guy made the Adrian Wojnarowski. And now it's like it's overplayed. On three says that Caleb Williams is transferring to Wisconsin. It's like, okay, guys, that's it's always a TCU burner doing it. It's like, okay, you've had your fun. It's we've had 17 Ollie Gordon fake outs. Like it, it's we get it. We get it. There's people just trying to get uh, engagement. Who would do that, huh? <laughs> what are Taj's Heisman odds and Doug Walker odds going into next year? Well, if you make the playoff like Kyle seems to think tonight, you uh, you have pretty good odds that he'll win the Doak Walker. I think Heisman would be a tough sell just because he's a running back. I think, honestly, Ollie Gordon gave you a pretty good blueprint for what needs to be done to win the Doak Walker Award. Um, probably got to win at least nine games, You know, be competitive for a conference championship and put up. What did Ollie Gordon finish with yardage-wise? And he had, he had way more touchdowns than Taj, I think, is part of why he got so much credit, and rightfully so. But, yeah, like 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns, and win a bunch of games. The odds are probably not – I mean, odds for any one individual to win an award like that have to be pretty long. And Ollie Gordon came out of nowhere. He had 300 yards last year. I mean, he did, but he didn't because Dominic Richardson left for Baylor seemingly with the understanding he was going to get passed on the depth chart. But then they didn't use Ollie Gordon for the first three games. They stunk. And then they're like, oh, let's give this guy the ball. And then they started winning a bunch of games. Seven carries, nine carries, three carries. And then it went 18, 21, 29, 29, 25, 33. 12 against UCF because they were down by a billion. 25-34, and then 13 because they were down by a billion. Yeah. I think he had 50 more carries in those first three games. 1,600 yards, 20 touchdowns. Okay, yeah. 326 yards receiving. So that's how you win the Doak Walker. So he had almost 2,000 scrimmage yards. Uh, when is the last time we have had a better potential starting lineup of quarterback, running back, wide receiver with the next year having Barron, Brooks, Hudson, and Aiken? I'm just reading the question. I I thought we were going to go Hudson there since he's like the number one wide receiver in the he country. Said and Aiken. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, I, was only, I was only thinking like trio, like one wide receiver, and all I heard was Aiken. Um, it. I think that all depends on how good you think Baron Morton is, because Taj is a 100% legit running back. I think he's very much earned to be earned the right to be named in the same group as DeAndre Washington, um, James Hadnot, guys who had really great seasons like that. And I think Micah Hudson is a five-star, like, legit NFL prospect. Of course, he's going to be a true freshman next year, but talent-wise, I mean, you have had very few coming through here with a, a ceiling that high. So it's all it's all about Morton, in my opinion. Like, how good is he? And if he's really good, if he's an all-conference caliber quarterback compared to those other two, then 
Like, yeah, you're talking rare company. Uh, preseason, though, probably 17 with Shimanek, Stockton, and Kiki Cutie. I would say 15. You had Mahomes, Jakeem Grant, and DeAndre Washington. That's certainly the the peak there, yeah. Or in hindsight, not saying like at the time, I'm not saying my favorite guy, but Mayfield, Amaro, and DeAndre Washington. Not better than Patrick, uh, Jakeem, and Washington, though. No, but, I mean, Baker wound up winning Heisman, and Amaro was greatest tight end statistically. And Baker, had... Bu- Baker Bustro of Oklahoma. <laughs> it's like Brock Purdy today in the 49er system. <laughs> Brock, dude, I hate the Brock Purdy discourse. Every NFL Sunday – the timeline is just full of people trying to convince you that Brock Purdy is really good. And it's like, guys, I don't really see anybody disputing this. Like we all, he's like top three odds to win the MVP. I think everybody acknowledges that he's having a great season. And it's like nonstop. Every pass he completes are like, Oh, Brock Purdy is legit. He deserves to be in the same sentence as better. It's like, we know guys, we know. We get it. But like, and I can understand that three or four games in or whatever, but it's December. We all know he's good. He doesn't need a bunch of people on Twitter trying to convince everyone that he's good. Uh, Chances, Kidley opens 2024 with three straight pass plays. Yes. Chances, Kidley opens 2024 with three straight run plays. Doubt. Chances that we're furious with rage regardless. (laughs) (laughs) I've always said if we start a series of downs, first and ten, and we'd run it three straight times, even if it doesn't work, I'll – Tip my hat and say, okay, we, at least we tried it. Yeah, and I'll shut up now. But I don't, I don't know if we ever have. Uh, start bench cut. Who's back? Shady Taj Backstreet. Taj is the most back, and then I'll go Backstreet, and then Shady. But that one, that one's tough. Did you hear the Kanye sample of Backstreet this week that came out? It's pretty good. Uh, odds that the first play of the bowl game is a sideline screen pass. <laughs> Pretty good. I will, I will leave the stadium, get back in my truck, and drive three hours home. <laughs> uh, I'm not doing that. Another return question. Start bench cut. Return of the Jedi Mac Taj. Got to start Mac bench Taj. As tough as that is to say, and then cut whatever else you said. Jedi, yeah. Who cares? Yeah, you're not a Star Wars guy. No. Uh, does Kyle give off Ted Bundy vibes? Asking for these, considering letting him crash on their pullout couch in Shreveport. What do you think, Rob? Uh, I think you're a charismatic young man with good features, but I don't think you give off Ted Bundy vibes other than that. Okay. You had me in the first half, not going to lie. Uh, can Taj be the first player OC in Texas Tech history? No. I would prefer not to to have your running back calling the plays. Yeah, that's a recipe for the running back to get really tired halfway through the second quarter. Yeah. 
Uh, are we going to be so bad at football next year? I don't think so. No. Uh, you you left a comment about leaving rope in your car. Is that? Uh... <laughs> yeah. So I guess now I have to address this, so that the listeners have a little more context. I was moving like a a love seat in the bed of my truck and didn't have like standard tie downs, so I used like the most generic looking rope, like a, you know, brown burlap looking rope yeah. to tie it down. And when I got home, I just like threw the rope in the back seat of my truck and was procrastinating over and over trying to, or getting it out, like putting it in the garage or something. And I kept thinking, I was like, I don't hardly ever have passengers like besides my daughter. I was like, if a coworker and I go to lunch or something, they were like, what's this rope? And it's going to be like, oh, yeah, I was moving furniture. And like, so I was, I answered that in response to the Ted Bundy. I was like, had you gotten in my truck any time over the last like three months, you would have just seen a rope with, you know, no additional context. And so. Did you slap the love seat and say that's not going anywhere? <laughs> you have to. You have to. Uh, any rumors on how much the money bag was that dropped to keep Taj? Um, we talked about that. Uh, he would have if you if you last a full season as a rookie, it's six hundred thousand, six hundred sixty thousand, or something. Um, if you're on the practice squad, it's less than that. So I, I would assume it's comparable. I, I don't know though. It was enough for the Matador Club to put out a coordinated messaging campaign asking for more money later yeah. that day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're gonna. What were they matching up to? A hundred thousand. So it's at least two hundred thousand. Yeah, that's a good way to look yeah. at it. Uh, Jason Morrow high five me once at Chimmy's. I was stunned by how big his mouth was. Okay. Pickpocket your credit card. Uh, over under. Morton <laughs> throws over two hundred yards. Is this in the bowl game? Because I would go over in the bowl game. Yeah, I don't know, man. I um. Their pass defense is bad. Yeah, but I'm having a hard time. Did you ever watch the show Lost? Uh, the first half of it, yeah. Did you ever see the episode? It has some backstory on Jack and the story about the tattoo on his shoulder. Not that I recall. <clears throat> I forgot which country he's in. It's a, a Asian country, and he gets a tattoo. Okay, that's and, it, and he thinks it. Um, translates to one thing for several years, and then somebody who speaks the language that the tattoo is and says, that's not what it says. It says da-da-da-da-da. And he says, that's what it says, but that's not what it means. So Joey says stuff, and I, since I know now not to take him literally, yeah. I try to figure out, okay, he said this, but he meant that. It's like an example was a bunch of people reported that Matt Keeler offensive lineman intended to put his name into the portal. And Joey was like, well, he's not in the portal. He wants to graduate in the spring and then we'll see what happens. I take that to mean he is not literally in the portal, but as soon as he graduates, he's going to hit the portal. Right. Could be way off there. That's but again, I'm trying to decipher what he means. So when Joey says Baron Morton is fully healthy and he's going to look better than he has like, okay, that's what you're saying, but what does it mean? And I don't know. If Baron Morton is fully healthy, 
then yes, we should totally torch this Cal pass defense. But just because Joey said that, I don't know if that's actually what it means. Yeah, 200 feels low, though I don't think you've had that quite as often this year. (laughs) It's low. I'll still go over. Yeah. But, like, if we're still not throwing the ball down the field, I'm like, okay, then is Morton actually healthier than he's ever been and all that? Is there a worse crime against humanity than not getting to experience Bart Rager in his final form during the NIL and transfer portal era? It would have been amazing. It, it really would have. There's would, not much more to say about it. It's just it would have been electric. It would have been amazing. Uh, Starbench cut Yoo-Hoo, Nesquik, and Ovaltine. I'll start Nesquik, bench Yoo-Hoo, cut Ovaltine. I have never had a Yoo-Hoo. Isn't it like chocolate water? Uh, uh, yeah. I guess I would start Nesquik. Is is Big Daddy the Adam Sandler movie where he's like drinking Yoo-Hoo's on the playground with those yeah, I think so. like grade school kids? Yeah, or uh, Billy Madison. I can't remember which one it is. Maybe yeah. it is. Uh, what are your top three apple flavor related products? There's also a Kenny Chesney song called Summertime about a Yoo-Hoo bottle rolling on the floorboard. But the way he sings it, he's like, I forget the line right before it. It's like something, something. He goes, Anna, Yoo-Hoo bottle on the floorboard. It's like so high pitched. Uh, all right, what was the question about the apples? What are your top three flavor, apple flavor related products that don't actually contain apples or apple juice? The, um, this mailbag, man. <laughs> I would say caramel apple suckers have to be up there. Green apple Jolly Ranchers. Green apple Jolly Ranchers. Um, apple Jacks. Apple Jacks. Up there, I think that that's a pretty good solid three. Uh, which gaucho is most likely described as a quirked up white boy that is goaded with the sauce? Uh, first off, Mainville. Second off, I don't understand what half of that means, but it still feels like it's Mainville. It's got to be Mainville. He's young enough to at least know what those words mean. Right. I think it's a compliment. A quirked up white boy. All three of us could go white boy. Right. Uh, goaded with the sauce, though. I, I just am unsure. I think goaded with the sauce is a really good thing. I don't know what quirked up means. Like uh, quirky. Yeah, I don't know. Is that your favorite emoji? The shrug? The The quirky. Oh. <laughs> No, that is no, I hate that one. It's like when somebody's doing something totally normal, they're like, Oh, I'm so random. Yeah. My Texas Longhorn friend, whenever he talks trash, throws that in every once in a while, it makes me want to punch him in the face. <laughs> like, oh, what's Texas Tech gonna do this year? <laughs> Shut them. <laughs> oh man. I hate it. Uh, do you think Kitley being able to talk the quarterback's helmet will make a difference? Asking because of what was discussed. This week on a podcast, and I'm interested to hear the Gauchos take. Feel free to skip this question if it needs more elaboration. Uh, so in the bowl games, they're going to allow 
uh, communication like in the NFL between the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. Uh, do you like that? And why didn't they do that five years ago when the NFL did? Cause it's awesome. I guess I like it. I Part of my gripe with tempo has always been that <clears throat> you just seem to use it in bad spots where like you're hell bent on running a play, no matter if you get a good defensive front to run it against or whatever, so I think this could like speed up the like, hey, let's get to the line real fast without going full prairie dog. But like, hey, we're going to tempo to the line so they can't sub, get in a formation, and then I'll call in the play like based on what they're lined up at. And then you can, you know, Morton can relay the play to everybody else. So I'm curious if they utilize it specifically while going tempo and if that kind of like changes the cadence and if we maybe do a better job of calling a play at the line or something. But yeah, I'm definitely curious to to see what that looks like. I, I haven't heard much or read much about that yet. Are the concerns over the early season basketball fan attendance warranted? This is a great question. I wanted to talk about this. Um, in my opinion, no. I think people overrate what the USA has been in the last five years because of how awesome it is during conference play. Uh, I I don't I don't think it's been fifteen strong, fifteen thousand strong during a bunch of these non-conference games. People just remember what it was like when Chris Beard was here, when Kansas is here, when West Virginia's here, when Kentucky's here. Um, that's when it's awesome. I, I don't think it's been now it is down this year, no doubt. Uh, but I think it'll pick back up during conference play. I don't think it's that big of a deal yet. I would push back a little. I remember like being able to dunk on Texas's attendance early in the season when we had nobody coming and like the second level was still pretty full. So it's a huge drop off from that. I do think it'll get a lot better in conference play when you're when you're hosting, you know, Houston and Texas and Kansas and all that. But I don't know. I mean, it does seem like it's lost some juice. And you, at the end of the fall semester, there's so many excuses because you're playing bad teams. You're it's finals week. Apparently, the academic calendar has changed. That a lot of kids go home for Thanksgiving and then they can do their finals remotely. Like they'd never even come back to campus. So Thanksgiving to early January, like they're not even in Lubbock. So I, I think that's all fair to consider. Uh, but I would say I'm like somewhat concerned that it, when this is all said and done at the end of the season, that we'll, we will have had a noticeable drop off in attendance. And I hope that's not the case, but it seems like it might be trending that way. I think if you have 8,000 at a Big 12 opener and all the all the kids, the students are still at home, I would be worried. But if you can if you can get 12,000 at uh, at a Big 12 game with no students, I think you'll be just fine. Uh start bench process process cut these uh, Charlie Brown specials. That was a tough one to get through. Uh, the Great Pumpkin, Christmas, Thanksgiving, The Field. I I don't think I could uh, tell you the last time I watched a Charlie Brown special. Agreed. I think I'll 
and this might just be my sentiments on these holidays in general, but start Christmas, bench Thanksgiving, process the field, and cut Halloween. I think the only one I've really watched is The Great Pumpkin. So I, I guess I would start that one. Not a big Charlie Brown guy, though. No offense to Charlie Brown. Uh, which is better? And I'm going to let you take this how you want to. This is from uh, our friend Big Hen. Uh, which is better? Head coach of an FCS team with multiple national titles, a perennial powerhouse, or a position coach at a blue blood power five school. I don't know if the context here is that you would get him to be the coach of your team or that you would be that person. I think I would go with, I forget how he phrased it, but like a consistent FCS champion. You would rather be a, an FCS national champion? Powerhouse coach. Yeah, I would rather be one and would rather, like if Texas Tech was trying to make a hire, I would rather get somebody with that profile than elite position coach at Ohio State or, you know, whatever. You'd rather hire Chris Kleiman uh, than Ryan Day when Ryan Day was promoted? Yeah, probably so. Uh, how many points better are our transfer wide receivers than the former wide receivers? I'm working on it. Stay tuned. We will have direct comparisons by position group. What left in the portal, what's coming in. That'll be on Patreon, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. And then once all the data is out there, we'll talk commentary about that on the show. Or you can join the conversation yourself in Discord by becoming a Patreon member. It's only $5 a month, and a portion of all proceeds go to Taj Brooks. Uh, if we have radios in quarterbacks' helmets during the regular season, how long until someone in the student section sneaks in a walkie-talkie to try to find the channel? We've had radios amongst coaches for years, and I, I don't remember a student sneaking in a walkie-talkie yet. If the students sneak in a walkie-talkie, the primary concern would be that they would take the batteries out and throw them at OU True. fans True. who were not even in attendance at the game. True. Can you imagine how many OU fans would be hit by batteries at a Texas Tech versus West Virginia game in Lubbock if they allowed walkie-talkies into the stadium? Man, just a, an unreasonable amount. It would be wild. Uh, that's it for the mailback. What would you, what, if you got hit by a stray battery, what would you do? I think the, the new favorite one was a Texas fan said like rolls of coins, like that you get from a bank when you can get like $10 worth of nickels in a roll or whatever. Cause one that it, it's just so absurd to me. Like, Hey, did you all get your rolls of nickels to throw at people? Oh yeah, I got mine. And then wasting that much money. Like a battery is one thing because you can buy a whole package of batteries for a few bucks. Right. If you're gonna throw a roll of dimes or nickels at somebody, like that's that's real dollars and cents at some point. But if I were falsely accused of throwing a car battery at an OU fan, I would contact Barnett Howard and Williams for my defense. BHWLawFirm.com. Barnett Howard and Williams is one of the best law firms in the state of Texas. They're based in Fort Worth, but handle cases all across the Lone Star State. 
criminal defense, if you're accused of throwing batteries at people, certified in Title IX student litigation, you get hurt on the job. They do it all. Three double Texas Tech grads. You can learn more at bhwlawfirm.com. And we appreciate their support of the Gambling Gouches. Speaking of the Discord, somebody sent in the food and beverage channel. A Doritos nacho cheese liqueur. I just read about this earlier today. Would you try? No. Is it vodka or rum? What is it? Nacho cheese vodka? It looks clearish. It just says liquor. Do you know what I imagine that tasting like? Vomit? Yeah, like if if you and I were hanging out, just guys being dudes, right? Yeah. And we're eating a bag of Doritos. Sure. And then you're like, hey, Kyle, let's take some shots of vodka. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And we take shots, 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 shots. And like eight shots later and a half a bag of Doritos later, we're both like, hey, I'm not feeling so good. Yeah. And we go out in the backyard and puke our guts out. As it's coming out, that's what I imagine Doritos flavored vodka tastes like going in. Apparently it's nacho cheese tequila. Even, Even worse. <laughs> Even worse. That is disgusting. And I'm not like I'll do I'll do the uh the KFC sandwich with the, the Cheetos sauce on the on the chicken patty. Yeah. I'm down for that. But Doritos liquor, like you have to be out of your mind. I feel physically ill thinking about it. It's disgusting. I'm not a big tequila guy, anyways. Did you ever try the uh, the Dugarita at Applebee's? What is that? A Mount Dew Margarita? Yeah, Dugarita. No, I did the big red, big redarita. Like a Dugarita, I would I would try that because that kind of goes together. Like if you pour Mountain Dew into a margarita, you know, it's kind of cheap sounding. It's like Sprite and red wine, but. It at least kind of goes together, like the flavors. Doritos tequila. Okay, so it's it's not tequila. It's not vodka. It looks more like a nacho cheese. Um, what do you like? Uh, schnapps. It's 84 proof liquor based off Doritos nacho cheese flavor. Dude, this is getting worse and worse the more uh, it says I learn Doritos about it. recommends mixing it with tequila or mezcal to make a bloody mary or margarita. I'm out. I'm oh, so out. It's not, <laughs> It's it's like it's it's its own thing. It's not a It's just a spirit. It's not a Yeah. Man, that is something. I will take three consecutive shots of this if we get Doritos as a sponsor of the Gambling Gauchos. Okay. Book it. Live on YouTube. Same. It's $65 a bottle, so... Make it count. We'll have to figure that out. But I I will match you in shot for shot. We can afford it if they sponsor us. That's true. Uh, Kyle's about to get BHW to sue just over the thought of Doritos tequila. <laughs> Something must be done about this. Something must be done. We can't stand for this. 
How is this allowed in a decent society? Oh my god, we are we are down. Um, some uh, Chase was watching the show back, I guess, late. He's caught up now, but uh, that stat you were talking about with the hurdles, the one guy that didn't go to the NFL was injured in a forklift accident. Uh, and then about the Canadian kid, I don't know the rules on this, but I do know the former Canadian on the roster uh, had issues with his NIL money. But uh, it says, is this kid Canadian? If so, he can, can he get NIL money because he'd be here on a student visa? I think you have to pay the agent, and the agent, it, it goes through a, a weird kind of room there. Yeah, I think there's basically a workaround. Um, but yeah, it's it's more complicated with international students, but I think it can be done. Uh, Tyler will pay for the bottle of uh, nacho cheese. If, no, if whiskey, he certainly will. That's not enough. Like... For me to do that free of charge is not enough. I need to be paid and like somewhat significantly to do it. Not like, hey, for five bucks. Like, I don't need five bucks that bad. Not a lunchroom dare. No, I need I need Rahino, Barnett, Howard, and Williams Cardinals level sponsorship dollars in order to to make this happen. Were you uh were you a uh, a childhood dare like, hey, we eat this pickle rubbed in dirt for five bucks? No, total total wuss. I was like, no. Hey, if we put all our leftovers in this one bag and swish it around, would you take a spoonful of it? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't think that uh, happened much to me either. But too easily grossed out, especially when it comes to, like yeah. eating stuff. I was like, I'm not going to do that. Like, dude, I don't eat my vegetables. Like, I'm not eating green beans. I'm, I'm sure as heck not eating like your shoe or whatever. You know. Tyler will send a shirtless pic to sweeten the deal, Kyle. Is that well, okay? Well, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Uh, Chase slow pokes himself for being 31 minutes behind. <laughs> the originator of the slow poke. The originator of the slow poke. All right, we're just uh, tooting around here trying to get to two hours, I guess. That's all I got. Same here. Do you want me to look up a proverb real quick? You got a final thought, Kyle? Yeah, let me find it. <clears throat> final thought. Oh, let's see here. If we can top last week's. Oh, here's a good one. Yeah. Behind the clouds, the sky is always blue. Behind the clouds, the sky is always blue. That's a good one. I do like that one. That's a good one to end on. Uh, we will await Brian Don Carlos's tiki drink with the Doritos liquor. <laughs> And uh, see you in Shreveport. Well, I won't, but Kyle will. Uh, Kyle will buy anyone a beer who says that proverb to him in Shreveport. I still don't have a ticket or a bed to sleep in. I could just sleep in my truck, maybe. Yeah, with the rope. <laughs> yeah. In the parking lot of a <clears throat> Motel 6 in Shreveport, Louisiana. There you go. Oh, Ryan checking in just for final thoughts. What's up, Ryan? Um, but yeah, yeah. See you all in Shreveport. Say hi. If you see me, uh, we'll probably be alone in the stands. So not hard to find. <laughs> I'm buying the cheapest ticket I can find and then just moving down. Oh next yeah. To whoever oh, I want to sit with. That's the day of. Yeah. They were 15 bucks yesterday, but I think it'll go down even lower than that. So yeah, yeah you'll be fine. No worries.
don't all right. Know. See you all out there or have fun at graduation or Vanderbilt or whatever you're doing this weekend. And yeah, we'll talk to you all soon. Love y'all.